0: Welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Wednesday, July 13th edition of the show. And more importantly, most importantly, it is a day one of free agency edition of the show. So with me here, as always, to break it down, Jake, we're battling through some early, very way too early tech difficulties. But I think we're going to power through today and we're going to give the people what they want, which is a great show talking about everything that went down today. Yeah, uh yeah, definitely still battling through tech
1: difficulties, trying to work our way through it. At this point, it it is what it is. There's no real way around it. Um so until my until Cox wants to
0: decide to fix my problem for me. So we'll see how long that takes. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Uh again, though, for everyone who's listening on the audio version, not a problem that you have to worry about though. This is mainly for our live stream viewers, but Big shout out to everyone that's joining in here and that's that's joining us for this because it's this is a big show. This is one of the bigger ones that I can remember in a long time where we have a decent bit to talk about. And we did get a tweet from Elliot Tiford, beat writer covering the Ducks for the Orange County Register right before we went live, that he has been told that the Ducks, they might not be signing someone else tonight, but that they are active. He's told that they are active right now. So... That's uh. Hopefully, we get breaking news on the pod or on the stream. I feel like that's always that's always the best case yeah. scenario for us is getting breaking news as we're talking. I feel like it's been a long time since we've had that happen, especially at major ducks-related news. So, hoping hoping for a for a, a bomb here at some point.
1: Yeah, definitely, and so. Uh,
0: we'll see. I mean,
1: who do you think that bomb could be really quickly before we kind of get into what's happened? Who do you predict is
0: the next next person the Ducks side? I think there's a good chance it's going to be Andre Palat. And the reason that I think that is not so much because I think that he well, it's not because I think that he's a player that they need to get or that someone that I would specifically target. But his name has been mentioned a lot today as it pertains to the ducks eric stevens has brought him up a couple times now and you know looking at the deals that the ducks have signed so far we'll get into them the contracts for frank vetrano and ryan strome the priority is pretty clearly to get someone on a contract that's not too uh that's not too prohibitive right the longest that we've seen so far is five years i don't think verbeek wants to go beyond that and the projection for Andre Pilat's contract is a three-year term at a $5.5 million cap hit, which is pretty much exactly the kind of contract we've seen Pat Verbeek hand out today. Andre Palat, you know, he's not he's not a, a true first-line level talent or anything like that, but he's he was still a very good kind of middle six option and sometimes playing higher in the lineup last season for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's 31. I don't know if he's going to be able to to really keep that level of play up for the duration of that contract but on a three-year term it's not this massive gamble and he's a guy who who does elevate the ducks floor so i think that that's who it's going to be for all the reasons i outlined do you disagree
1: uh i don't necessarily disagree i don't necessarily think that uh i don't think that he's someone that they should be targeting i don't but on that same kind of note i think a three-year deal kind of like you outlined is not going to be the end of the world for this team. And I think that he's going to be a useful piece. He's going to provide more depth for this team than they've had in a while. A good bottom six, middle six player for this team. And I don't think that's a bad thing per se. I just, I think targeting a 31-year-old is a little bit different than what I would do. But we've talked about this much. The Ducks need to spend money. And so with all of this kind of money spent that we're talking about here, that the giving out these deals that maybe we're going to be critical a little bit on the length, they're still just going to be at the cap floor more or less. Yeah. With all of these deals being signed. So it's not as if like maybe in a year or two, this could become an issue because they need to sign the Terry's of the world, the Zegers of the world, the the drys of the world. But those guys outside of Terry are not going to have arbitration rights. So they're kind of going to be at the mercy of the ducks. And so they may go shorter term. And so it may be a situation where Zegras still isn't going to be making big money deal during a Palat deal, even during a Strome deal, potentially. Um, And so I think that's something to keep in mind here with all of these deals. And the other thing I think that's important with all of this is that I I think there were some reports today that the salary cap is looking to go up from about 82 and a half to I think it was 84 mil or so in the next couple seasons, I think maybe not next season, but the season after I saw that. So that's something to keep in mind here is that the five-year deal, while it may not, you may not like the term on it, I guess on a three-year deal by the end of it, it's not going to be as much percentage of the cap.
0: Yeah. And I think another big key there with all of these deals, if the ducks are going to hand out any more kind of considerable money or just significant money, which I still think that, that contract would be even if it's not a huge deal. In 2 years Silverberg and Henrique are done. And who knows yeah. what they're going to do with them at that point, but that gives you that gives you just about 11 million in cap space once those two are done. And so again, n- none of these commitments and we're going to get into it more are really locking the du- the Ducks up long term and really hamstringing their flexibility to be aggressive once Zegris and drysdale and terry and, and those guys are on their next contracts and that they're looking to really make a, a stronger push to be to be contenders at that point because really the ducks aren't contenders yet we haven't seen them do it we i i think that they are going to be better next season just thanks to internal improvement but clearly the the deals so far that pat verbeek has made and that he's probably going to continue to make they're not deals of pushing all in for this season that would have been finding a way to get a Kevin Fiala, finding a way to get an Alex DeBrincat, right? One of those types of deals, maybe the Ducks were in on those guys and maybe that that was their vision. But as Pat Verbeek talked about, or at least how he described his approach to the trade deadline, and I'm sure it's true of this off season, is that he has a lot of scenarios. He's someone who has different pivot points. So if something doesn't pan out, he knows exactly what to roll into. And so I think that that's, that to me is kind of what this looks like right now is he's getting he's getting bodies through the door, guys that are gonna that are gonna help the team, that are not going to break the bank, and that still leave this team with a lot of flexibility moving forward, which which I think he's accomplished so far. I guess we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but Yeah. Getting but, back but, to
1: the question I asked you though, I think yeah. the next player that they could sign, I wonder if we get a Strome brothers. Um uh the Strome brothers uniting in Anaheim basically. The Ducks go out and sign Dylan Strom. Ryan. Yeah, Strome, well, so
0: before before we get into the next move, let's talk about the moves that actually happened. Yep, <laughs> Beca- because because uh, we just don't know what's we we, we just can speculate all night. I, yeah. I was just giving my
1: answer because I let you give your answer about Palat.
0: No, yeah, no, I agree. that Dylan Strom yeah. is a Dylan Strome is an interesting name. I I would be a little irked if like it just feels like okay, you got Ryan Strom and now I guess you're just contractually obligated uh, to get Dylan Strom. Dylan Strom is is a lot worse to me than Ryan Strom right now. And maybe Really? Yeah, I mean, well, maybe I shouldn't say a lot worse, but I just think he's kind of a he's kind of a fine player. There's I I'm not super excited by what he's done so far. If he I guess got
1: 3 times 3.
0: Yeah, like that's the thing, right? Is that his his contract is pro- is going to feel like a better deal than Ryan Strom's. Yes. Because Ryan Stroms, you gave five years to five mil a season, which does feel a little – it doesn't feel quite right. It doesn't feel like exactly what we would have done. Dylan Strom is going to come in at a lower number, and that's going to feel – and the fact that he's younger, I mean, he's he's not young, young. He's 25. Like, he kind of is what he's going to be. But he's a middle six player, someone that can, that can help the team. Uh, again, just kind of sticking to that, that theme here of a guy who's going to come in, help the team, but not really – break the bank not hamper that that flexibility moving forward so yeah
1: and i'm just curious where dylan Strom is coming out on evolving hockey so assuming he is projected to get a one-year 2.663 contract is the predicted term and cap hit if it were to be a three-year term it would be two-year would be 3.711 four, or three-year would be 4.6 so if he gets like three times four
0: yeah, three, 4, 3 times 4.6 would be a little rich for me for what yeah. he is at this point. I mean, he's going to turn 26 this upcoming season in March. And, I mean, what is he really? He's just kind of like a middle six guy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand he was a third round, third overall pick, but I don't know how much more potential there is there. I mean, the Ducks need guys like this, though. It's not as if they have a bunch of just, you know, okay Middle six guys, they have a well, lot of, especially top, last season.
1: The top of the lineup is going to be filled out by guys, that, uh, the guys that the Ducks draft. It's going to be filled thing- out by the Zegresses, by the potentially the pros those types of guys. And find. Well, I don't, th- values- I don't
0: think for next season though. I don't. Think no, Peros, oh, fair, yeah. fair. But I'm yeah. talking
1: about maybe over the course of if it's a three-year deal for for Dylan Strome. Um, you need those middle six guys, like you said, and the top of the lineup guys will maybe be more so filled out by. Maybe guys that the Ducks trade for, maybe guys within the system, things like that. And so you need guys like, like a Dylan Strome in the, yeah. the third I line. just
0: think that it, it really just, to me, it just depends what they get him for. Sure. Be- yep. Because his there's a lot of variation in those deals. Okay. Let's talk about Frank Fertrano. <laughs> this was not a player that I think either of us really had targeted. I don't think I ever once brought him up as a name that I could see the Ducks getting. I don't think you did either. Mm-mm. What was your just gut reaction when you saw that deal come through? I mean, my gut reaction was to
1: right away go and kind of look at some of the numbers just because I honestly did not have a good feel for what Frank, Frank for Toronto was over the last few years. Um, and, and so I think after looking at some information, looking at the, the contract that he was given, I think it's a fine deal. I mean, it fills out the Ducks roster. He's a good kind of middle six type of player, like we've talked about. Those are kind of guys that you do need to sign, that you do need to have in your lineup. And he is someone that, for the Rangers, that was able to play up and down the lineup, and was able to play with with Sabinejad and Prider and be successful. And he's someone that does have a pretty good shot if he's put into the the situation, um, put into a situation to so succeed to to utilize that shot. And that is something that we see with the Ducks. He, he could be ticketed for for going on a line with Zegers and Terry. And he's just going to have the puck fed him and he's going to be able to shoot the puck and score. And so that may very well be where Frank Petrano ends up on the Stux front or on the Ducks team.
0: Yeah. I think that the, the big thing with Petrano that's, that's intriguing to me. Well, first off, I think that the thing that has to be pointed out is that the ducks didn't pay a whole lot to, to get him right. I mean, three mm-hmm. years and the cap hit being 3.6 million a year. It's just not prohibitive. So regardless of how this pans out, he's a 28 year old, right? It, it it's just there's not this huge risk that the Ducks are are taking on. As Jake is furiously trying to <laughs> trying to let people know that it's not his fault. The the way this internet is panning out. I yep, can hear 100%. you fine, Jake. Don't okay, worry, perfect. I can perfect. I can hear you fine. Perfect. Um, um there, no, there's that... only so much. There's only so much we can do there. Yeah, but I did. So... I, did I did. I did just want to say. That I think the most intriguing thing to me with Vetrano is that he's a guy who his on-ice metrics are not really that impressive. There's nothing really in his over, like just the, the on-ice kind of raw impact that makes me think, oh, he's this huge get for the Ducks. But I think what's more intriguing is that when you dig into the tracking data from Corey Schneider, which we love to talk about, you kind of get this profile of a picture that can really help the Ducks because he's really good – He's really active in the defensive zone he's you know as a winger he's really good at retrieving the puck he's really good at getting it back out of the zone all those things are really important and we haven't talked about sonny milano yet we will but those are the kind of things that sonny milano just didn't do on top of that he's he loves to shoot the puck he's a good shooter and he's good at generating offense off the off the cycle he's not exactly a playmaker right he's definitely a shoot first kind of guy but the Ducks don't really have a player like this in their lineup, and so I think that this is a good get. It's such a it's a reasonable number. I actually really the more I've thought about it, the more I really like this move for the Ducks.
1: Yeah, I I do too. Um, I think he's just a good complementary player. I think he's not someone that's necessarily going to drive a line, but he's someone if you put him with more skilled players, he's going to um, he's going to succeed. And I think that's kind of what you want to have. And so I think even though he's someone that you and I both agree, I don't know if either of us would have targeted necessarily. I think after really kind of looking at it, looking at the the micro data in terms of track data, looking at the his ability, honestly, to, to get, uh, to get out in rush offense and rush situations and be able to thrive in those situations. I mean, you kind of have, to, if you're playing on Florida, which he, which is where he was at prior to moving to New York last year um, at the deadline. But he's able to shoot the puck and I think someone had a video. I think it was in and now granted small sample size, single highlight, but there was a goal I think in the playoffs that he scored against Vasilevsky where he was basically standing still and beat Vasilevsky uh, standing still with his shot. Yeah. And I think that just goes to show the type of quality that he has on the stick and how he's able to really put um, how he's especially able to, to really fire the puck and get it and beat goalies. And I think that that's going to be a very interesting thing. And I mean, at the very least, the Ducks have added him and some and Strom to in two guys that can play on the power play with this Spurn franchise. And that's not something they necessarily had previously.
0: Yeah, I mean I think that the biggest thing with Vitrano that another thing that's interesting is that in messaging with Corey today, it's that forward stats, tracking stats, they carry over really well team to team. So they're not really dependent like a defenseman might be, a defenseman's might be on their environment. And so if you look at Vitrano's numbers in New York afterwards, slightly different, I mean it's a smaller sample, but a lot of those things did hold up. And so that tells me that this is just the player that he is, a really good kind of defensive winger or just a guy who's active in the defensive zone and who can get the puck out of the zone and then can get get shots, get shots whether it's off the rush or off the cycle. And like you were just saying, the Ducks just don't really have I mean they they haven't had just okay up some upside middle six guys in a long time, right? It's either been a veteran who isn't good, a veteran who might be injured or who's getting older, or it's like a young a young player who might be a little bit pl- punching above their weight. This is this is kind of what a middle six forward looks like in the modern NHL. The Ducks need those guys, they're going to need them just to ice a roster they're going to need them to be good at some point so this is like an a maybe not an a like a b plus signing to me it's just really there's just really nothing wrong with it outside of it just not being the super sexy pickup right
1: yeah and even looking at kind of his numbers just from a almost just a point protection standpoint he's been a solid enough player over the course of his career i mean first off you're the duck's are gonna get his age 28 29 and 30 seasons um because he he's just turned or he turned 28 this past uh March, so you're essentially going to get the final years of his prime. Yeah. And so you're not going to really being overextending yourself for a guy that is this middle six player like a like Frank Vitrano is that didn't necessarily have this high ceiling. But I mean, this is a guy that is
0: probably pretty consistently going to get you about 30 points and going to get you about 15 to 20 goals. You know what I like about this signing is I feel mm-hmm. like Frank Vetrano could play with Trevor Zegras and help Zegras and and be better off for it right like i think that zegras could benefit from a guy like him who's active along the wall good at winning pucks because then th- that takes a little bit of the responsibility out of zegras's hands to go and do that and he can focus more on making plays in this yeah and I think, zone. think i think
1: he can also be complimentary that also because he's able to enter the zone and the zone with control yeah and so he's not necessarily someone that dumps the puck in that much. He's more so looking at some of the data. He's someone that really controlled the zone or entered the zone with control most of the time. And that's something you need to have in transition. You look at a lot of his offense. A lot of his offense came from the rush. And he had obviously some cycle and 4 offense. But the fact of the matter is we've talked about this. Trevor Zegers really likes to get out in the open, get out in the rush, and create chances that way. And that's really how he's able to really use his creativity because once you get in the offensive zone or dealing with more of a cycle game, it's a much more structured game that's harder to have this free-flowing style that, and go through a bunch of guys. Whereas when you got it in transition, get guys moving, that's when holes open up and seams open up for Trevor Segrist to take advantage of it. So I think that that's really going to be good for him. And he's not someone that is necessarily going to give you shot assists or chance assists. Yeah, he's not he, you don't. He's not but, an but,
0: East-West player like Segrist, but, but he can. he can still fit but
1: that's not someone that you need if you have them with a Zegris and a Terry. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that if, if we're looking at this right where, what was it that they were looking forward to play with, with Zegris and Terry last season, they were, they put Derek Grant there. They, they, they put Milano there for one game. And then the J beagle thing happened. And they never put him back because <laughs> Dallas Akins would not have those three guys on the line together. He needed to have a more uh, veteran presence, physical player. Well, if you're going to have to have a guy like that, having Frank for Toronto be that guy, I think is the best case situation, right? Yeah. Cause he can actually play. Yeah. And, and that- that's kind of where I'm getting at here. And I think that you saw at some points in, in New York. And I remember seeing this specifically in the playoffs, but he was someone, if you want, if you're someone that cares about having some of the jumps in the scrum, sticking up for teammates, things like that. He did that while he was a Ranger. And so if you want to have a guy out there for that purpose, he can do that while also playing.
0: Yeah. And, and he is listed at 5'11", which might seem like, why am I bringing this up to a lot of our listeners? But I think a lot of people were concerned after the draft, seeing how many tall, huge players that the Ducks drafted that, oh no, you know, Pav Verbeek is only cares about size. Well, Frank Petrano, if he's listed at 5'11", is probably shorter than that. So this might help just kind of dissuade some of those fears that people are having about this being a a Murray two situation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what would you give this uh, this move a, a grade, um, grade wise? I'd probably give it a B. Okay. Yeah. That's I I, I went B plus, but I think B is fine too. Yeah. There, there's I, there's just really nothing wrong with it. More yeah. so than there is like a lot right with it. It's just like, hey, this is what they needed. This is the archetype of player they needed. I think ideally you would have had someone with maybe a greater on ice impact because his impacts last season were. You know, just okay to really replacement level, but I think that there's there's a process there in his playing style that can that can maybe yield better results, or that can at least fit with who the Ducks have right now and make them better too.
1: And while I'm at it, want to bring up because I brought it up with Dylan Strome, Frank Frank Petrano per cat or per per evolving hockey was predicted to get four years at three point nine two one. If it was if it was a three year deal, the cap it was expected to be three point two three. And he ended up at three times three point six five, so kind of right around where they
0: had projected. So about uh, proper value, basically. Just about, just about spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, great. Well, let's uh, let's move forward here. Do you want to talk? Do you want to go in chronological order, or do you want to get to Ryan Strom? Because I think we'd be remiss not to mention good old Glenn Godin, who was signed to a two-year seven hundred and sixty-two point five thousand dollar uh cap hit or have a contract today
1: not gonna lie i did <laughs> look up his uh Hockey i DB did too
0: because i was so starved for, yeah, for content like, let, let, let's see and when i saw it, i was like eh, i'll put out one tweet about this and that's it yeah same i was like do i really go down the like do i really go down the rabbit hole and figure out like just all this stuff about this player or do i just treat it for what it is which is maybe a guy who has taken that's some it. some steps and who can make and who can get into the NHL?" Or just a depth signing and, and treat it as that.
1: It's Vinny Lattery
0: 2.0. Yeah, I mean, like you need you again. It's one of those things where you're filling out the organization. You know, the yeah. depth of the organization has been compromised a little bit. Vinny Lattery, by the way, uh, reportedly. I just love the wording of that Michael Russo it was tweet so today. Weird. Did you see that? I can't get over it. Yeah, it was lucrative. It's signed to a lucrative deal, but a very fast, high scoring player. It's like. He's not very fast. He's not high-scoring in, in a league that's not a minor league. And it wasn't – I mean, it's – shit, I would love the contract he got, so I guess it would be lucrative to me. But in the context of professional hockey, maybe not quite lucrative. Anyway, that's a total yeah. aside. Uh, not a, by the not way, a lot Ol- to say on Glenn Godden, though.
1: Olaf, as Berserker, says the, the best way – or the best thing about Godden, we would say, can't spell Godin without doggin.
0: I really need to understand where that's coming from and why everyone is saying that all of a sudden. You know? You got to find he's, the dog in him. He's got the dog in him. Okay. He's got the dog anyway, in him. Let's move the hell on from that. Uh, okay. Late breaking news, and this was I am w- so thankful that this happened because hey, I would have still loved to have done this podcast with you. I always enjoy it, Jake, as you know. Mm-hmm. But Vitrano plus Godin plus RFA's was not like the most exciting slate of topics. So about 6 p.m. tonight, we got the news: Ryan Strom signed with the Ducks. This one is interesting to me because Ryan Strome does not at all fit the mold of a player that we've advocated for signing in recent years. At least from an age perspective, he's 29. The Ducks sign him to 5 years and his cap hit is going to be $5 million a year. This is a bit of a gamble to me because he's going to be this is, this takes him into his mid 30s. He's not a guy who's a great skater. You don't need to be a great skater to age gracefully, but that could be a factor in the evaluation. What was your reaction to this deal? And what, And I mean, just your gut Ooh. reaction. Uh, my gut reaction was did not like the five years. Um, I, I think that
1: was my first reaction to this. And then once I settled in on it, looked at it a little bit more in depth, looked at the cap hit that he was at versus where he was projected I really yeah. thought about this deal in depth and he was projected just for anyone out there that, that was wondering, uh, let me just very briefly pull it up again. Cause I just had it open, but I believe it was uh seven years at 7.15 mil is what he was projected again. Yep. And if you was to yep. a five year contract, 7.1 mil for that. Um, and so it, it's a situation where comparing that to what they got him for, it's a really good value. You look at kind of what he was able to do over the last couple of years, while his on ice impacts are not that great. He was able to play with some uh, more elite players in New York, the Artemi Panarin of the world, and was able to produce. And yeah. it does take a specific type of talent to be able to be successful with other with good players. Um, and, and so maybe
0: this is me talking myself into liking it more than I should. Well, I, I think I, I, I think I, that, that that's a separate conversation from the deal itself because I think true. there's a there's a good player there. I don't think anyone is disputing, at least shouldn't dispute, that Ryan Strom has kind of turned himself into a useful player. One hundred percent. It's the and, contract,
1: and and I and I think the other part of this is that when we're looking at the contract right now, is that um, the cap is going to go up in a couple years, as I mentioned earlier, and so this deal is going to look better as that happens. And kind of like what I was talking about earlier, the Zegras of the world, the dry cells of the world, everyone like that, they're going to need new deals eventually, but they're not going to get these massive extensions probably. And so it's going to be a situation where if they get a two or three year bridge, then the ducks are still sitting pretty when the deal is, off, uh, when the deal is over. And like you said, also when that happens, Silverberg's off the books, Henrique's off the books, who knows what happens with Gibson also. Like there's a whole lot of way for money to be cleared out. Where this is not that much of an impact on the Ducks cap sheet at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think that even though five by five, I just don't, I can't really fully co sign that kind of deal. I think that when you put it on the scale of, I guess, bad contracts, this is nowhere near a bad contract. I, I think it's not ideal, especially for a team like the Ducks where you haven't quite seen yet that ability to compete, but he's a guy who's going to help them get there. He raises their floor. It's like you said, the, the, the cap, the cap picture for the ducks in the medium term is, is fine. It's actually going to get better in some ways as we, as we've discussed. So I think that even though the contract is not perfectly ideal, it's a good value, right? The models that Mm -hmm. evolving hockey uses, they're, they've been pretty spot on today. And, it's not just two guys sitting around guessing on what it's going to be. Th- these are models based on their age production comparables, right? Like this is, <laughs> I, I had people questioning, you know, questioning it on, on Twitter today when I was, t- you know, tweeting, Hey, this is a good value deal. It's like, Oh, well, I, I would question a, a model that that has them has strom at that number. Well, okay. Come up with them. Come up with look. a more accurate number then, right? <laughs> Investigate I mean, the model, look it up more instead do, of do the work. It. I think yeah. the fact that these guys are so spot on so often tells me that it can be trusted anyway. Yeah. And so getting uh, one thing I want to add on him about his production, this is a guy that in New York has consistently put
1: up 50 points, 54 points. This so past that's season 49 the, in the season before in
0: 56 games, 59 in the season before that. That's the intriguing thing to me with Strom is that he's not a guy who has this really elite on ice impact. Uh, you know, he's he on balance in the last three years. He's, He's been solid offensively and not so solid defensively, but he's a guy who produces like just offense. Like he produces points. And when his team is on the ice, they outscore the opposition. And he's also been good at that on the power play, which makes me think that, hey, as he maybe ages or even going into next season where he might not be the most active player, right? I think even watching the playoffs, you can see. He's not the most he's kind of he's kind of in a way an opposite of a Vitrano, where he's not super active, he's not pouncing on everything, but a smart player, a guy who knows how to get offense, a guy who can fit in with good players. You know who could be- benefit from a guy like that playing with him? Would be a Trevor Zeigris. Whether it's at 5 on 5 or on the power play. Yeah. What's interesting to me about Strom is that he is even though he's not very involved uh, defensively he is good at getting the puck back when he does go for it. He is good at so, just getting it back for his team, which is going one, to be important.
1: One thing I am curious about, he played a lot of minutes over the last couple of years with Art- Artemi Panarin. Uh-huh. And so that meant every other team, or every team he was playing was mostly, oh, most likely what? You
0: know where I'm going with The Andre Palat dream is dead. where did he uh, sign? Andre Palat closing in on a five-year contract with the New Jersey Devils. So, there's there's where the Devil's
1: Deer is going. And five years, happy the Ducks weren't in on that then. Yep. Yep. Um, But, uh, where was I going with that? Uh, Oh, with Strom. So, with him playing with Panarin, he was most likely seeing top matchups from the Mm -hmm. the other team. Getting the the top uh, defensive pairing going against them to shut down uh, Panarin. Because, I think, even though Zabinijan and Kreider are great, Artemi Panarin is the most dangerous player on that team. Yeah. And so... I wonder how much of that is going to change now that he's going to be on the Ducks and the fact that he Trevor Zegers is going to see those matchups. Trevor Zegers is going to going to get the toughest matchups because he's the best offensive talent on the Ducks. So mm-hmm. is he now that he's going to have to have softer matchups, is he going to be able to thrive as a result of that? And that's one thing that I'm really wondering about how this is going to work out, that he's now going to be pushed down the lineup a little bit more, and especially... Uh, this is one important point about it, and why I think that this deal is going to age just fine is that he's coming in right now is probably going to be the two seat to Trevor Zegris's one seat. But two years down the line, he's no longer going to be that. That's Mason McTavish. I mean, yeah, he he's, might
0: be like the fourth line center at that point. Yeah. Depending and how so things shake m- out.
1: Maybe he'll be an overpaid fourth line center at five mil, and maybe that's an issue back then, but or issue then, but. This is still a guy that if he's your third line center at that point in time, that's a pretty quality third line center for you to have. And so I think the one thing the Ducks really did with this signing was they really solidified their depth at center moving forward. And I think that that is, that's something that's really important. And I think that one other point about this is that there was some discussion today, I think from a lot of different places about the Ducks are now fully in on the tank. They haven't been on any big signings.
0: Well, well, this go- this goes. I mean, this deal in particular goes against that to me.
1: That is where exactly where I was going with this is that this is not a deal that you make if you are trying to be bad again next year. No, because the Ducks now with these two deals have really filled out their top six in some ways. You have a, you can. I think it's pretty likely that we're gonna get Vetrano, Degris Terry. Maybe and then we'll. And then we'll probably get Comtois, Strom, uh, Henrik.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't really project the lines right now because I still think there's a lot that's going to happen. There is. But I, I, yeah. I'm just
1: kind of saying that. But, but yeah, that, sure. That it, gives, if you, that gives it, you a top six of that. And a yeah. top six of that is not going to be a bottom three, bottom four team in the league.
0: Yeah. And it also pushes other guys down too. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you're getting, like, for example, Max Jones back. I think that their bottom six is going to be better. Just by virtue of some of the, the the guys that left, so anyway, we'll we'll have plenty of time for that. But I think that another interesting note with Strom going back to the the tracking a little bit is that he's also good at generating, uh, you know, he's good at getting the puck into dangerous areas as a passer, as a playmaker. He's good at getting into the middle of the ice and creating offense from there, which again like we talked about with Fedrano, is not really something that the Ducks are just flush with, <laughs> is guys who are creative offensively. So I think just from a creativity quotient, whether it's shooting or playmaking, the Ducks added to that today, and that's excellent because that's, you know, just to kind of increase the floor of this team, and like like you just said, they don't intend on being bad again. You need guys who can make plays. You You, know, you can't just yeah. have all depth pieces, which is what they had last season, which is why they and were so bad one thing i also find kind of interesting
1: is last season he wasn't that great at entering the zone that that was something that he was kind of below uh the median at but if you go Mm -hmm. back to the season prior to that he was actually really really good at entering the zone with speed and entering the zone with passing plays and so i'm really curious as to kind of how that changed and i know that the third player on that line last season was really in flux typically And so Mm -hmm. maybe that caused some impact that he wasn't necessarily getting the puck in a spot where he was able to start bringing it in and that impacted him greatly. But that is something that he was much better at in 2021 or 2020, 2021
0: season versus the
1: 21, 22 season. And so, yeah, I I was just going
0: to add on that. One thing that's interesting though, is that despite the raw numbers going down, like that, just that the actual volume of him entering the zone, his actual percentage of entries with control was still above average. And That's so fair. so maybe that, like you said, maybe it was just a matter of his role, a matter of the line mates, but when he got the opportunity, when he had the puck on his stick, he was still able to get it done. So yeah. a, a, a reason to not be concerned by that. Yep.
1: And so I, I think that Strom's going to be a guy that if he falls into the second line center role, you maybe put him as a bit of a facilitator on the second power play. Maybe put him with a Zegris on the first power yeah. play to, to work things around. This is this is someone that's going to be a very good depth signing. He's he's essentially almost like what Adam Henrique was when the Ducks signed him, and we've been critical of that deal, but it's aged pretty well. I think that's the hope with this deal is that he can age in the way that Adam Henrique has and provide that value for you as he gets into his thirties. And while you and I both have our own have our views on aging curves. There are guys that can buck that trend and maybe they have something with a Ryan Strome that they are, they believe he is able to do that on.
0: Yeah. I mean, Adam Henrique just had argu- I mean, Adam Henrique was arguably the ducks best forward last season from an yeah. on ice impact standpoint. And so guys can still have good outlier seasons that kind of buck the trend. It doesn't mean that it's going to be like that year over year, but I'm also excited for Adam Henrique with all these moves because I feel like now there's also just less pressure on him, right? I mean, you go back to 2 years ago where he was put on waivers because he hadn't scored in a while, right? I mean, yeah. Pavelbek doesn't strike me as that level of pettiness that he would do that. But the point is that now Adam Henrique is not as relied upon and he can thrive even more, right? The expectations have gone down for him. So That's another thing to think about with these moves is not just what these guys can do individually, but how they affect the whole and, and and the, and the, and the net effect seems to be good to me. And I think that this kind of showed that Verbeek knows
1: what he's doing in some sense. He didn't go out and necessarily chase any of the big stars that are going to be, these big money deals that are really going to be a negative impact on him just because he has the, the cap space to work with and has to hit the floor. He was looking for the deal that really made sense. And he got good value. Like we said, with Strom as compared to where his projected cap, it was, what should have been based upon his production and everything else with that. And so he found value. And I think that's the yep. important thing because free agency is an interesting thing where every team has to go into it, right? You have to get some guys, well, from especially free the ducks this year, <laughs> But a lot of times the biggest mistakes franchises make come today. Like yep. these are the these are the deals that really are the ones that hurt you two, three, four years down the line. Really make it where you're in a bind and You have to move out good guys to be able to make things work because of the deals that you give out today. And so I think that if Verbeek went out and just signed a guy to sign a guy, I think that would have been a poor use of the cap space. Yeah. And that could have maybe giving just someone seven years, giving a, a Nick Delorier four years of two mil just because. <laughs> like that That's not what you want to see. You want to see a guy that's going to take a tactful view of this. Look at the cap space that he has. Look at the allocation that he has. And we're in day one of free agency. Yeah. There's well, the rest well, of summer that, that he has to fill that out because the Ducks right now, just so everyone knows, they are currently sitting at,
0: I think, nine mil, 9.2 mil. They're about... About 10 mil above under the floor.
1: 9.2733333 mil under the the cap floor, basically. Yep. And someone asked, actually, in our Twitch chat earlier, just, can you explain what the cap floor is? Basically, it's a percentage that every team has to spend to. And the whole purpose of that is the league doesn't want any team spending so little. It's almost like an anti-taking method- mechanism.
0: It's a it's of, a parody trick.
1: Yeah of every team has to spend a certain percentage of the salary cap ceiling in order to ice a competitive roster that is not going to be essentially making a sham out of the league. That's the the purpose of it.
0: Yeah. And and I do think that one thing I want to add to your point with Pat Verbeek and and the work he did today is that it also feels like there's cohesion to what he's doing. It, it, It feels like there is some sort of plan, whereas in past years with, with Bob Murray, it was just hard to tell exactly what the plan was, right? I mean, you look at the two deals, the two important deals that they signed today, they're both of them are, are quality, you know, top six, middle six, NHL forwards, that didn't that they didn't overextend on with term that they didn't overextend on with money. And, and, and they're guys, they're going to help the team moving forward, you know, in the near future. But aren't going to really hinder their long-term plans for this franchise. You can see it. It's to me, it's pretty obvious, at least just from a big-picture standpoint, what he's doing, and that's good. That's a good sign. You want to be able to read what your GM is doing based off the moves. Uh, I'm glad you brought up Nick DeLoria, though, because you know, good for him. Good for him that he went out and got paid. But four years, <laughs> four years for Nick DeLoria, even though it's actually less than two million. It's like 1.75. Still a bit of a crazy pants over there in, in Philly, unsurprisingly.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're definitely hurting their team. But also, Felix, is crotch, crotch discomfort hurting your game? Well, fear no more. The kings of crotch comfort Manscaped have spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. Sleek, soft, comfortable, and flexible. The brand-new Boxers 2.0 from Manscaped take your balls to the royal ball throne. The global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the Lawnmower 4.0, for the trimming, so you can wear the boxers uh 2.0 for the chilling. They even trademarked the jewel pouch, so you know it's serious. I think it's time you invest in your family jewels. So let your bold free and get 20% off plus free shipping by using the R code CTP at manscaped.com. So, Felix, let's say you're on a date and your partner catches the manscaped on the <laughs> waistband of your underwear. It's almost guaranteed. To raise some eyebrows and act like a billboard on the highway to Pleasure Town. This is thanks to their Lawn Mower 4.0. The best electric trimmer in for below the waist grooming. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawn Mower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 400K LED spotlight You need uh, so you, you need a more precise shave. Um, beyond ball cleaning though Manscaped is focused on ball comforting with the new boxers 2.0 boost confidence everywhere you are knowing you are wearing the absolute best pack for your sack these boxers are a game changer and the features include uh, uh, the jewel pouch a pouch designed to cradle your boys in in their own special space lined with perforated performance fabric to keep them well ventilated is this heaven on earth? more like heaven on girth and the micromodal fabric is buttery soft and breathable, keeping your cucumber cool. Walk, run, strut. These moisture-wicking boxers breathe without breaking a sweat. The tagless waistband hugs your body without digging in, and it lays flat against your skin to reduce chafing so you can be proud of your underwear and wear the manscaped waistband with a badge of honor your balls deserve it so you can get 20 percent off with uh plus free shipping with our code ctp at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off plus free shipping with our code ctp at manscaped.com up your crotch game because once the boxers
0: 2.0 touch your sack you'll never go back oh boy i don't think i've ever sh- sh- uh, shaken my head for that long continuously but you know what, Jake? My hat comes off to you. Uh, we now have a request great. for you to do the next uh, Manscape ad Oh God! Sure. Maybe that'll make it make them easier to get through for me. Who knows? Uh, okay. Well, let's uh, let's get back to the get back to the the show here. So, where do we leave off? I don't even remember. I'm just so I'm so taken aback by by what just transpired. Okay, I'm happy I guess with my transition. Yeah, you you just really just. Uh, you just you just grabbed it by the balls there. I don't know. Um here's so I guess any last things on today? Because I think we've kind of covered it. I think we there's still a lot that needs to happen. You talked about the fact that the ducks are you know about nine million dollars under the, the cap floor. They still have a lot of work to do. Any final thoughts on today? Because we do have some restricted free agency to talk about, which made um, which made, only which other made some thing headlines. Is-
1: Josh Manson signed with the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. Um yeah. it. That that broke this morning. It seemed like he wanted to go back there.
0: From all reports, it was basically between Colorado and Anaheim.
1: And yeah. so and, it and I seemed... think I,
0: I think that Colorado gave him more money. Either probably. more money or more term. I think that they gave him a better offer than the Ducks did to me. Well, definitely. And I, I think at the end of the day, if he's looking out for his career, going back to Colorado is probably
1: the better move it just depended on what he wanted. I think probably what happened is he was probably contemplating where he wanted to live for the next 4 years and eventually settled on being happy with Colorado.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, you know, it's it, it's his one last kind of big contract, so bigger contract and 4 times 4.5 might have been more than what the Ducks were offering. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um okay, let's let's talk about to me the I don't want to say the biggest headline of the week for the Ducks because Adding real legit NHL players to your lineup is uh, is the biggest news always, but the Ducks did have to submit their qualifying offers this week uh, for their restricted free agents, and two notable names, Jake, two notable names were not qualified. I think we should just start there. Mm-hmm. So, for everyone that doesn't that might not understand how this process works, basically, for a team to retain its restricted free agents, or I should say. For a team to be able to negotiate with this restricted free agents and sign them to a contract, they have to submit a qualifying offer first. And that qualifying offer, there's a a formula for it that's calculated. We don't need to get into all that, but it's the first step to be able to bring back your RFA. And if you don't qualify a player, if you don't submit a qualifying offer, that player becomes an unrestricted free agent. And in some cases, it's to avoid arbitration. Right, so you don't get that kind of acrimonious negotiation, and and then you get a deal done. But also, in a lot of cases, it just means that that's it, that's the end of the road. And the biggest shoe to drop will start right here, right now. Sonny Milano not submitted a qualifying qualifying offer. He was arbitration eligible, and reported by Eric Stevens, beat writer for the Athletic, covering the Ducks, that doesn't sound like a you know a contract offer is in the works for Milano. That that, that this is kind of it. What was your reaction to that? Because that is pretty big. <laughs> yeah, it
1: is. Uh, so you and I actually had heard some rumblings about this maybe about a month ago that if the Ducks couldn't come to a deal with him prior to the qualifying offer that they were going to be looking to move him or maybe just not qualify him at all. And so that was something I kind of took in, thought maybe it could happen, but we'll see. So, yeah. I, I think with that knowledge at the uh, when this happened, I was like basically looking out for this, and so I was almost preparing myself in some ways for, for, <laughs> for this to happen. So, it
0: I was kind of expecting it, and, and so I, I was too, based on what we had heard. But to see it actually happen is still correct because it's it, still it's, shocking.
1: It here's the thing on it, and I think you and I both had the same sentiment right on, on Twitter that. This isn't. This isn't the worst thing in the world. It's not going to hurt the Ducks necessarily that significantly long term. But it is poor asset management, and this is something that we would have gotten on Bob Murray about even uh, well, of not, yeah. uh, of your even as if you just qualified him, then you would have had an asset that you could trade, and potentially this is kind of what I think happened. I think probably Pat Verbeek shopped around his RFA rights probably didn't get any bites on it at all. And then because of that decided, well, it's best to just let him go because we're not getting any bites here. We don't want to sign him to what arbitration, because there's something I heard over the last day or two with, with a lot of arbitration eligible RFAs is a lot of teams now can really predict what the arbitration is going to spit out. And I'm sure teams have models
0: for this. Yeah.
1: And, And so they can right away tell if that's a deal that they want or not. If it's not a deal that they want, then it's time to walk away. And I think that's probably what this was: was that Pat Verbeek shopped around Milano, understanding what the RFA arbitration or basically they couldn't come to a deal, knew the arbitration would not be a deal that he would have been content with, and no one was trying to trade for him. And I think that this was kind of the final piece after that. So, having said all that, because I'm just walking through what what happened, what I think happened. Yeah. Having said all that they should have just given him the arbitration deal. Let him essentially build up his own value by putting him with Seagrass this entire season, put up points. And then if you really don't like the guy, move him at the deadline.
0: Yeah. So where this broke to me based on, again, just everything that was kind of rumbling around about this is that it seems like as the season wore on that Dallas Akins lost trust in Sonny Milano right i mean you you don't even have to really dig that deep for that you look at the playing time what line he was on the fact that the ducks didn't want him on the team to start the year despite a very impressive preseason there was always the sense that Sonny milano was living on borrowed time in the lineup and high in the lineup and once he started deviating quote unquote from how the coaching staff wanted him to play then it just feels like they didn't value enough they, they incorrectly did not value enough what he brought to the table to, to keep playing him and, and to have faith in him. And so if that is what Pat Verbeek was hearing for, you know, from the coaches and then all of the reasons you mentioned, then yeah, that would explain why this happened. But I just really don't see a good reason for doing this. I understand everything that you just said, but Sonny Milano you know, unbalanced by the end of last season. Wasn't this outstanding forward at five on five any longer. You know, that second half dip did hurt him. But still one of the Ducks better forwards. Still a guy who was a good contributor on the power play. Still a guy who was so good in transition. So good at getting the puck through the neutral zone. Now, yes, you look at the tracking data. He's the opposite of Frank vitrano Not involved defensively. Below average in just about every defensive involvement metric not good at getting the puck out of the zone not touching the puck i mean we we track Corey tracks defensive zone puck touches per 60. he's below average in that he's not good at retrieving the puck but as soon as he has it as soon as someone gets it to him like a trevor zegris very elite at, at getting into the zone very good at once he's in the zone generating high danger assists passes from the center lane shots on goal right this this whole thing that's not really a player that the ducks are overflowing with and so whatever issues that there were barring some like very serious issue between him and the team this is a guy that you at least just bite the bullet and you tell your coaching staff i understand that you have reservations regarding this player but let's just let him ride this out a little bit if things still continue to be really difficult Let's at least build up that value and get something for him. Instead, they lose him for nothing. And that feels like a missed opportunity because Sonny Milano was a good player for them last season. I just, I understand that he wasn't racking up the points, that the the plus, minus, whatever. That's what the old school, you know, kind of thinkers will look at. But they're still a very solid player here, not the kind of player that the Ducks are overflowing with. So I, I just can't really get on board with this, even though everything you said to me checks out. Yeah, no,
1: and, and I think that's fair. By the way, I want to give a shout out. Uh, with our new setup, it's kind of hard for me to look at subs. So I'm now actually looking at uh Twitch for this. But I want to shout out Olaf as Zerku resubbed uh for nine months. is Dragon Georgie resubbed uh or subbed for forty months. And then Olaf also gave out one Thanks, community guys. sub gift. So thank you everyone. Thank you guys. Sorry, I haven't read those lately just because it doesn't pop up in this other chat. But now I'm starting to look at it. Um, no, completely. And, and I think that's kind of where I'm at on it. Also, is me laying that all out was essentially trying to lay out the reasoning for it sure not necessarily stating that
0: i agree with that reason no i right? don't i don't i know you don't because we've yeah. we've talked about this yeah yeah
1: and, and so i i think that milano is a guy that you and i have talked about is he, a really good player someone that really should be in the lineup that should be really featured and so even if they don't believe in him and i believe it was where was it uh x Nicholas Rage said the issue with that idea of mine kind of signing him, putting him in lineup is you're forcing Milano into the lineup for the sake of increasing his value when you don't even view him as a solution. And while well, yes, that is the case, it's not as if they the Ducks have are have all of these solutions throughout their entire lineup to to take those spots that essentially well, no, but Milano he, But would he be is blocking. a solution.
0: He's a good player. I mean, he's a guy who well, drives the. No, no, offense. no, no.
1: But but the my point here is that if the ducks don't view him as an actual solution, oh, oh like, okay, and, okay. And, and, but the whole purpose is that the ducks don't aren't brimming to the teeth with with all of these options
0: where he's going to be blocking someone's spot in the lineup necessarily. I mean, to me, and, at at the end of the day, this was a judgment call by Pat Verbeek that he did not want Sonny Milano on this team anymore for for yep. whatever reason. Yep. you you can get into all of it, but if if Pat Verbeek wanted Sonny Milano on this team. If he saw him as a, as a not even an important piece, but just a piece that's going to help them moving forward, he would still be on this team, right? I, I just, what else could it be? Do you? I mean, you you don't you don't not qualify a guy if you want him, right? Because because it's yeah. an easy way to to hold I, on it, to him.
1: It definitely seems like Pat Verbeek just did not it wasn't a guy, and I mean I think that's honestly a big part of a lot of these these decisions with qualifying offers is. Pat Verbeek, um, looking at the players and under trying to basically figure out who are the guys that he likes and who he doesn't basically, who are people from the prior regime that he does not want to keep and by not qualifying them as an easy way to get them out of the system.
0: Yeah. And I think that sure, there are guys that are going to be coming up, uh, that are going to need room. You talked about Jacob Perot earlier, you know, Braden Tracy has been brought up in our chat. They signed Pavel Regenda, maybe they they want to give him a shot. Like there's guys coming up, they're going to sign more guys. And so if you don't view Sonny Milano as part of the even the medium term picture for this roster, then yeah, it makes sense. Of course it makes sense why this happened, but I just think that that assessment is incorrect. I think he's a good player. They're not better off by losing him. And you, you were touching on the top six earlier, trying to project what the forward lineup would look like would look a lot better with Sonny Milano, and it would look a lot better with him plus Stroman Vetrano. So I just can't really get on board with it. I understand the reasoning, but I just, I, I can't shake this feeling that it it's not the correct move. Yep. Um, and all that being said though, I think that you may have already said this, but I wanna hammer it home one more time, is that this isn't the end of the world. Like Sonny Milano, as good as he was last year, isn't this irreplaceable player. He isn't this elite level player. This isn't gonna like set back the Ducks franchise years because they didn't qualify him. We're not, we're not, we're not trying to give that impression. It's it's just it's just a misstep. That's all I it mean, is. I
1: mean, it's possible Frank Vitrano fits the role that the Ducks want more with the Trevor Zegarts more and is able to thrive more with Trevor well, Zegarts. than that's Milano
0: did. That that was my first kind of reaction looking at Vitrano's stats today. I was like, huh, he does all the things that Milano doesn't do. Maybe it, maybe that's why it all makes sense now, right? And so, yeah. that's not a bad that's not a bad hypothesis at all. So we'll see. But the, the yeah, Milano and, thing is weird.
1: And from paverbeek's quotes, it sounded like they had targeted Vetrano and they had targeted Strom for a while now. And so, yeah. yeah. One thing I also want to bring up, uh, uh, just in general, um, kind of I think over the last couple of days, in addition to today, there were a lot of people impatient about where the Ducks in these rumors all these different types of things kind of where I've actually, I, I, I think basically Paverbeek, and this is, does, I don't really have any actual information on this, but I could definitely see this with him coming from the C. Weisman school is a lot of those rumors that end up coming out over the last couple day or days or day or two prior to noon today, noon Eastern, 9.00 AM is due to tampering.
0: Oh, and, well, yeah. Why do you think that all of a sudden, as soon yeah. as it hit, Nine that a bunch of deals just magically got and, signed.
1: And so where I'm going with this is that it was reported over the last couple of days that Lou Lamarillo is actually a guy that really respects the rules, doesn't yeah. want to tamper and waits yeah, until 9 a.m. How, to make first content, content. How'd that work out for him today? True. But I think that Steve Eisenman is – I could see Steve Eiserman being in that same kind of position. Pat, Pat Verbeek. And, and I could see Pat Verbeek also being in that same position. Eh, where, I mean, and that, I think that, that's –
0: That's all conjecture, though.
1: Yeah, 100%. Well, it could be
0: true. might not be true. I don't know. Yeah, fair, fair. Okay.
1: No, there were just people. I just saw a lot of things about why aren't the Ducks in on any rumors. And I'm like, well, it seems as if they may be, like, actually not wanting a tamper
0: and follow the rules as as they're listed. So who knows? Just
1: just a small thing.
0: Another guy who wasn't qualified, Sam Steele. And that may have been a surprise to some. That may not have been a surprise at all to others. They may have even been... Uh, happy days for some people, but Sam Steele is also done with the organization.
1: I did call my shot on that on uh,
0: Monday you did? morning. You In did. Discord, I said, bolt takes Sam Steele will
1: not be qualified.
0: Yeah, I mean, what's your reaction to that? Because to me, I, I'm i of two minds. There's two sides to this coin for me. On one side, I think I thought there that were
1: three sides to a coin, though.
0: <laughs> this particular coin is so oh, paper thin that there's actually only two sides. Okay, okay. <laughs> There's six sides to a die. That's what we need to keep in mind. Um there aren't four? <laughs> why did I think there were four? I I don't know why. Discord um, inside jokes. Join the Patreon if you want in on these. Sam Steele, first round pick, never lived up to the promise that people had for him. But I thought that last season he was okay ish, right? Like he was yeah. he was a guy who okay, like this is a guy you can just keep around as a body for the fourth line, who's not going to set the world on fire, but just going to be a cheap depth piece. And at the end of the day, you need guys like that. I mean, if you look at Sam Steele's tracking data, like did not do anything offensively, like, and it checks out with the eye test, like just the guy struggles with the puck on a stick, but in the offensive zone, but in the defensive zone was actually really good at retrieving the puck, getting it out of the zone, and was good at gaining the, the, the opposing blue line as well with control. So he was at least turning into just a viable NHL depth piece. And so to not qualify a cheap player like that, it's just, again, the, it kind of a whatever, nothing move at the end of the day. But just, him, is, I, him is less egregious than Milano because for him, like he's eminently re- replaceable.
1: Yeah, exactly. He is replacement level. And so yeah, I, I think maybe the one thing that might shock some people, maybe throw some people off is the fact that Sam Steele is a former first-round pick. And so we are, what, four years, five years removed from him being drafted Yeah, uh, with in the first round, and the Ducks don't qualify him. But like I said, I, I think with this being Pat Verbeek, I think it makes more sense. I think if Bob yeah. Murray was still the general manager due to pride, all those different things, he would have easily qualified a Sam Steele because you don't want to admit your mistakes like that. Whereas a Pat Verbeek, like I said, I think is looking at this and trying to clear out the guys that he does not... Um, that he does not see as being part of the future did you
0: see that uh comment in the twitch chat oh this is so good does he score more than six in his draft plus six season <laughs> he's only ever scored six goals in the nhl per year he he, he scored six goals every season every wait was season.
1: it six goals or was it six points
0: i think it was six goals now no, i'm, I'm not trying sure. to remember Yeah, had six goals yeah he's honestly impressive well, it's like, does he get to six and then just be like, "All right, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> I want to keep this going." <laughs> if he plays ten more years and scores the- six goals a year, that's sixty plus however many he has the now. The
1: funny thing is, his shooting
0: percentage varies. Also, it goes from eighteen to seven to fourteen to nine. Well, you know, Jake, he still when, when, ends up at six. When you're when you're just flinging the puck at the net with no actual <laughs> idea of where it's going, and it somehow ends up in the net because it went off your leg or the defenseman's leg or the goalie's face that'll that'll make your shooting percentage fluctuate will, oh will by the sam, way
1: will sam Steele hit 30 goals this season i do want to say
0: no in his career does he, he already score he if he's if he scores six this year then that's 30 on the dot uh, he'll get to 30 i do want to say that i was at the ducks equipment sale this weekend and, and saw a sam Steele stick and uh one of the just one of the weirdest curves I've ever seen. Like, it was like a sand wedge. Think of it that way. So, it makes sense why it's hard to make plays with that stick. Um, outside of that, though, I mean, Jacob Larson had already signed in Europe. Hey, who called Jacob Larson not panning out as an NHLer years ago? Before it was cool to that do That was
1: it? maybe one of our first, like, actual heated debates.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had to convince you and CJ or I had to argue with you and CJ way back in like 2017. He was like 20. I think that was my argument was like, he's 20. Yeah. 20 is 20 not like, it's not like you're a brand new player at 20. Anyway, I turned it to be right. little victory lap for me. He's gone. Uh, Brandon Gouley signed in Europe, also gone. And then outside of that, just depth pieces, guys that were qualified though, should maybe talk about them really quickly. Simon Benoit, no surprise there. Ole Erickson Eck, goaltending depth. Isaac Lundstrom. I mean, that would have been pretty shocking if uh if they hadn't qualified him. Yeah. And then Erho Vakenainen. So I think I think Lundstrom was the only one with
1: arbitration rights yep. that they ended up qualifying. That's so correct. I, I think this was just a concerted effort to not have to deal with arbitration. Um I think they probably saw it as worth worth it with Isaac Lundestrom for all the different various reasons of why he was in the lineup for every game this season. Um and all the other guys though wasn't worth the hassle basically of that. Um, we we, what, we legit need a ca-
0: We legit need someone to go back and count how many of Sam Steele's career goals have gone off his own stick as Dalton Keys is suggesting in the chat. Yeah. This is a cool. thing that needs to happen. What what would yeah. be your guess for the percentage? Half? Maybe? <laughs> That's that seems pretty low. <laughs> um anyway, so that's kind of all I've got for the RFAs. I don't think there's anything super noteworthy outside of that.
1: Um, No, I guess the only thing that I did want to bring up was that I think that... Some hirings.
0: Qu- well, I had done the very quick math, and assuming
1: Lundstrom, vac and Benoit, all sign what Evolving has them at, it would be about 4 mil. And so, mm-hmm. factoring all of those in, the Ducks would be at 5 mil to hit the cap floor.
0: Yeah. And that yeah, would be so, five
1: mil with. Let me see, night with four
0: roster spots left. So they've still got work to do. Yeah, they they have still got to put a team together, and it's yeah far from done. Now that we know Palat's off the board, prediction on the next player of the Ducks sign. Well, here's something interesting though. No one, no other insider has corroborated the Kevin Weeks tweet.
1: And so we've are seen you, this-
0: Are you now second guessing Weeks? It's happened before, hasn't it? Didn't he didn't last summer he reported um He reported this, this wasn't year? Wasn't it about, Matthew Kachuk or something?
1: I don't remember. This year he reported well he reported about what was it, Marc Andre Fleury and that ended up getting done a day later.
0: Yeah, so he might end up being right. I'm not doubting him, but it is noteworthy that no one else has come out to confirm this. Is it? If Yeah, it is. Is it? <laughs> yeah i know it is i'm just kidding you. like like what, what is this what is this uh take here, john klingberg do i do no. i call a, a bold shot i don't see them doing it but I, they do they do need like if they want to have a not shitty team next year their blue line looks pretty bad right now like they're gonna have I, to do something there
1: i think we're gonna see a trade honestly for the blue line chikrin Chickrin, Sandheim? someone can we, by the way, just briefly talk about where did Good Road to Columbus come
0: from? I don't know, but I love it. I do too. I love it because, first off, the Devils are in shambles, and the Islanders are in shambles. And those are two franchises that I don't have a lot of love for. Uh, you know, the Devils from the their dynasty years and the, the Islanders where everyone thinks that they're amazing and that Lou Lamorello is amazing seeing those two just eat crow is pretty funny to me. And I got to say, it took me a little time to warm up to it from the on ice perspective. But Columbus, now with Gaudreau at the top of that heap, they've built up kind of an interesting little pool of talent. I mean, you think about guys like Cole Sillinger, Kent Johnson, on, on you know, at forward and on the back end, they still got Zach Wierenski. They got Adam Bokvis last summer. Like, they've kind of built something there. And, of course, Patrick Line at some point, they're going to get him back. They're going to get him signed. They drafted David Yuricek and Denton Matejcik in his past draft. So they're building something. It's pretty cool to see this unfurling. And I don't know. I'm on board. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, the the per- precursor
1: to Johnny Goudreau signing there was getting Eric Branson, is what it turns out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what did it. If signing that deal for Eric Branson is what got them Johnny Gaudreau, then that money, that deal is worth it.
0: Wait, why is that? Is that actually a thing? Because I think they're friends.
1: Okay, uh, whatever. Um, it, I, I mean, it's somewhat of a joke, but it's somewhat serious. Uh, what defense would you like the Ducks to? Uh, I'm gonna list off the top U- the top guys by cap hit last year, um, for for available free agents, both RFA's and UFA's for the Ducks to target. Give me uh-huh. just a quick yes or no. I'm just going to read off names. Okay. P.K. Suban. No. Anton Strauman. No. Danny DeKaiser.
0: No. Uh, Calvin DeHaan. I'll say yes, because I've said no to everyone else so far. Klingberg. Maybe. Will Butcher. No. Marcus Nunavara,
1: RFA. Or no, he is UFA. Has he signed? Maybe. I'm confused now with the way that they're listening. Uh, Michael Kempney. No.
0: Thomas Hickey. No. A reunion of Michael delzato to Anaheim. Actually, yes, because he'd be really cheap, and he had good numbers last year. He made $2 million last year. Yeah, I mean, he's just like a cheap third-pairing guy. Ryan Murray. Yes. Ethan
1: Bear. Yes. Okay, that's where I'm going to end it.
0: Okay, I did want to quickly point out that the Ducks hired a new AHL coach, Roy Sommer. Mm-hmm. He's been around forever. He was the Barracuda's head coach for a long time. He's been around pro hockey forever. They signed, uh, well, they so they the Ducks also named a new assistant coach, Craig Johnson, who is replacing Jeff Ward. Mm-hmm. Interesting note on Craig Johnson is that he actually coached, the Santa Margarita High School high school hockey team in Orange County for about a decade, which is interesting, just because must know the area very very well if that's the case, and was Wait, recently coaching. It, wasn't he a duck? Am I misremembering? Uh, was he a duck? Isn't I, Ryan Johnson his yeah. son? Yeah, he did play with the Ducks. Yeah,
1: okay. That, that's what I thought, yeah, because Ryan Johnson came from the Ducks system, I think. That, like, they list him as a first-rounder uh, that came through the Ducks system.
0: Yeah, so it's, a, it's kind of a cool, like, full-circle story for him. I really couldn't tell you a thing about him, though, as a coach, so we're just gonna have to wait and see on that. And the Ducks named Jim Johnson, another Johnson, director of player development, so... Johnson and Johnson. He's coming over from the Blues organization, which... I mean, it makes sense. It's not what too, was it? not not too surprising because Rob DeMaio was brought yeah. over from there. So, yeah. Uh, again, I don't really have a great feel for any of these guys, but it's it's gonna be just something to monitor as this yep. Ducks team transitions into the next step of their yep. their history. So
1: here's Johnny seventy one by the way subscribed uh, with Amazon Prime. So thank you for Thanks. that. Thanks. Uh, by the way, we got this questions from a first time chatter, uh, Matthew K- or Matthew Kachuk or Ivan Provorov realistic possibilities for the Ducks.
0: I have no clue for Kachuk because we don't know what Calgary is going to pivot to. And then for Provorov, I don't really see, like, is his name really out there? Like, is he gone from Philly? Yes. Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. His name is definitely
0: out there. He's 25. He's got three years left at 6.75. So already I'm a little I'm a little I mean, blah. I, w- I would rather
1: have Sandheim than Provorov.
0: Yeah, I'm a little blah on the profile there. And then he's just kind of meh on ice, so I I would say no for Provorov. And then Kachuk, sure. Like if he becomes available. Yeah. I think you have to at least pick the very tires. Good. Yeah, and he's in the age range, right, that that you want to be in if you're the Ducks or or he fits. I mean, he's 24, right? He he fits exactly the timeline for the Zegras Terry timeline, he's going to cost a boatload potentially, but he would make a lot of sense for them. So Kachuk, yes. Pro Rob, no. Yeah, exactly. Uh, What's the package for Kachuk? I have no clue. A lot. Well, Debrinket got three picks and it's kind of not, it's not a great comp because he had a year left, Um, but he, but he, he was a year left to UFA status. So, Kachuk would get more than that. <laughs> yeah, Kachuk would definitely get more than that because whoever gets him doesn't have to worry about the whole will he actually sign with us a year from well, now.
1: Well, and by the way, on Brentcat, he has one. He's RFA next summer, but he's UFA the summer after that if he signs. Oh, sorry, video. sorry, yeah, yeah. So okay. someone pointed out in the YouTube chat uh, that we were incorrect on that. So want to make sure we got it right this the time. The YouTube chat, YouTube, sorry, YouTube uh, comments on the last video. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Someone, someone pointed that out. Um, anything else though from the past week? Oh, no, we haven't talked about on a regular podcast, second round of the, or second round through seventh
0: round of the draft overall thoughts. I thought the ducks did really well. Uh, I'm, I'm excited by some of their picks. I think that, um, you know, Noah Warren to me is a really intriguing player at his size and his mobility on the back end, I think that that's a really good pick. I think that Luno, we talked about him a bit as well, but he's also a guy who has upside but not in the same way. Good offensively. He had a knee injury going into his draft year that hampered him, but it sounds like he has, he's going to be able to turn things around or at least has the chance to. Outside of that, I mean, they kind of took some lower upside gambles. Not gambles, but just swings on guys like Fitz and King, uh, but to me Warren and Luno are really the the kind of crown jewels of the well, of their of their day two draft. I yeah, would say
1: I think Luno is the one that's the most interesting to me because of the fact that he was a top player in the CHL.
0: Or in well, he the was the first overall pick in the QMJHL draft. Yeah, his and year.
1: basically had a knee injury, and that hampered him. And then basically last offseason decided, screw it, I'm going to have knee surgery to try to take care of this. Um, it was a knee injury that I think happened outside of hockey, they said. Um, and that was something that really uh I think it took him a bit of time to recover, but by the end of the season he started to get back to where he was at, at previously.
0: Yeah, no, it was a it was a good draft. You know, I, I think that some people were a little disappointed that the Ducks didn't take these really kind of exciting, sexy upside plays, like offensive guys, but but they did well. I think that they really restocked their their defense pipeline. We we talked about Mentukov on the last show, but getting Lunau and Warren is gonna help a lot. I, I just think that this was a this was a solid draft for them. Just kind of keeping keeping the chains moving and, and keeping that prospect pipeline really humming.
1: Yep. Yep. Definitely completely agree. I think that this is one where maybe there's not going to be any outstanding talent from this draft that is going to be a high end caliber player. Mintukov might be that but this is going to be one where maybe we look back two, three years down the line and say, this was a really solid draft that restocked the Ducks type pipeline with a bunch of players that are going to become NHLers. I think.
0: Yeah. I do want to say though that, cause I think some people did want Lane Hudson to the ducks. Cause he was kind of one of those sexier names, right? The, the upsidey uh, defenseman with the, with the offensive ability, but man watching, I've, I've been watching some Lane Hudson, Highlights from last year because he was drafted by the Canadians and watching some clips of him in the development camp. He is he looks like a kid. Like he actually looks like a kid out there. I mean, he's five eight, hundred and fifty-one pounds. Like he he is so tiny for an NHL player. Um, I'm sure he'll get there, but I could see a little bit why teams would be just so scared to draft him, because he has a long way to go to get to that NHL physical side. Just but I think that he's got all the skill, and it would have been a fine pick for the Ducks too. They just they went a compl- they literally went the polar opposite with Noah Warren. Yeah. All
1: right. So let's jump into some questions from our Twitch chat, or not. We'll start with Discord actually. Twitch start throwing questions in though. But in our Discord chat, uh, from our Patreon, Mister Kitty Meowface said, "Do you call Cowgrien make an offer for Matthew Katruck? What would that look like?"
0: <laughs> uh, I think that yes, if he's available, you do. I think that probably what they would want would be a first round pick, right? I mean that's that's what everybody starts with. A really high end prospect. So who would that be from the ducks pool? I don't know. Do you do you are you already shipping out Mentukov? I don't know. A high end prospect, a good roster player. Right? I feel like that's yeah. that's where you start. Yep. Yeah,
1: exactly. And so I, I think it would be worth it. I think Matthew Kachuk is that good.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, as as much as I like Pavel Mentukov, as much as the Ducks 2023 first round pick could be a good one. Matthew Kachuk is already the best case scenario for a lot of those picks next year. And he's a guy who's going to elevate their ceiling for years to come. So it would be worth it. Yes. Yep. Uh, let's see. Hey, DeFlo said, uh, is the Ducks' refusal to
1: re-sign Milano an indication that Aikens is more likely to be extended during or after this season?
0: I don't know. It's a good question. How much sway does he really have in the organization? Maybe this indicates that he has more sway than we thought, but I don't know. I, I think that his future is still going to be largely decided by the on-ice product.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that also. Uh, And the Puff said, why not get the PR of taking Subban for a year at like four mil for the
0: publicity and easy cap floor play? Well, PK Subban has not been all that great for a while now. (laughs) I I think that that's that's the problem. I think that he rebounded slightly last year. Let's see if I can quickly pull that up. Um, Yeah, he was okay last year, but he's still not a guy who I, I fully trust uh maybe maybe even with another another offseason to really rehab his body that he's going to get even better and yeah i i i mean you could talk me into that being a flyer but uh, a flyer to take but i'm just not completely sold on that at this moment yeah i i think if we
1: get to the point where the ducks absolutely have to spend to hit the yeah, floor. you could do worse. I I think giving him a one year deal to and letting him just be your bottom pairing guy, I think you could definitely do worse. I think the issue is at this point, him and Shattenkirk are basically the same thing.
0: Yeah, which just feels yeah. crazy to say, given like five years ago, PK. Su- I mean, PK Subban once won a Norris Trophy, like it's crazy. Yeah. But out to the yeah. Devils at six mil for five years. Yeah, confirmed now by another
1: insider. Yep. So there you go. Um, let's see. So let's start getting into questions from our Twitch chats so for those. So for those of you at YouTube are watching us on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the or on your favorite podcast services, you can find us every typically Monday and off season it may not be every but i believe we're planning on doing another one next monday uh you can find us at twitch.tv slash crash where you can help support the show if you have amazon prime you get one free twitch prime gaming sub each and every month and you it helps support the show more than you can imagine you get special emotes in the chat special badges next to your name and j southern five also subscribed uh with prime so thank you so thank much. you so he actually brought up and i wanted to might as well let's address this because i think i think i know what he's talking about So he said, so anybody want to address what started the Ducks fandom freak out on Twitter yesterday? So I don't necessarily know exactly the freak out, but I think I can assume it's the same thing we've kind of seen over the last little bit, right? That people he had mentioned as a follow up that people were saying Verbeek should be fired. You want to address
0: address it? I just think that people there's just a lack of understanding of how this all works when it really comes down to it. And there are people who are credentialed members of the media with the Ducks that are spreading misinformation and, or, and that are already spouting off that this is a failure of an off season. And it's just like, well, free agency hasn't even started yet. Yeah, the Ducks weren't able to snag a DeBrincat or a Fiala, and maybe you're not that happy with their draft but i really think that the reason that people were freaking out is because there's just misinformation floating around free agency hadn't started yet and and i think that people were just not really fully understanding that the ducks to ice a team next season had to spend close to 20 million dollars just to get to the the cap floor and of course they're going to go beyond the cap floor they're not just going to stay there so yeah, it's just people not understanding really how and, and, how this yeah. works.
1: And I think it's not understanding how this works. I think it's also just a bit of impatience. And I think a lot of people forget that Pat Verbeek took
0: this job six less than six months ago. Well, impatience is one thing, but at well, least no. literally let like allow for the actual steps to occur before going that- like like, I, after today, I still don't think that, you know, being super critical of Verbeek is, is fully justified, but it's sure as hell more justified than before free agency started.
1: Yeah, and, and I think it's just people want to see, essentially, Pat Verbeek make them... They see names out there, and they want the Ducks to be involved and get those guys, but the reality of the situation is, is that every team... Not every team is going to make every trade, basically. And judging this team right now and saying that Pafferbeek doesn't know what he's doing is like, I put this in discord today. It's like you have a half complete painting, right? And you're saying it's garbage right now. It's possible that six months down the line, it's still that it's still exactly where it is now. And it's garbage. And then you can say, yeah, this is someone that didn't complete it. It's garbage, whatever, whatever, blah, 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 blah. There's also a highly high likelihood that once that painting is complete, it's a masterpiece and it looks wonderful. Also possible that once that's complete, it's all garbage. So it's basically something that just impatience is the best way that I can put it. And that people just need to realize that free agency open today and not every deal is made in the first day of free agency. We're not going to know the roster. And basically up until that roster is set for opening day it it's still figuring stuff out. And I think up until then, we just need to have a little bit of patience with this team and also, kind of this is where I was getting at, I was saying Pat Rubik's only been on the job for six months. He's still forming this roster into, and this team and this well, he's organization also, into exactly yeah. what he wants. And so he, you need to give him some time. Like, a GM's not going to be able to come in and in a month, overhaul everything. That's just not realistic in terms of even thinking about your work. If you go to a new job, how long does it take you to get situated at your own new job? usually about six months or so for someone to get situated. he's
0: also got to build a staff
1: yeah that takes time and effort
0: yeah and so he's
1: building a staff he's figuring out what he has he's moving on from there and putting this all together and people expect him to sign johnny Gaudreau, sign nazim kadri do these things and it's like that's not realistically what's going to happen here signing andre plot to a five-year deal at six million for a 31 year old is not a smart decision and i'm this goes to show that he has a smart head on his on his shoulders be able to make a smart decision And, and so they have to spend money they're going to spend money and i think just having some patience having some trust in the process i think pat verbeek has shown up until this point outside of basically Sonny milano that he has a vision for this team that you and i both agree with that he's basically earned that benefit of the doubt so far. And up until he's proven otherwise that he doesn't deserve that, I'm going to keep giving that to him. And one other thing I just also briefly want to address, the Ducks aren't really in the teardown part of the rebuild anymore. And I think that that kind of narrative needs to get thrown out because this team is not bad enough. They're well, not the moves the- that were
0: made today are not like rebuilding moves. Well,
1: even, yeah, but even before that, like, I think there's been a little bit of a narrative that the Ducks are going to be in the dart and the Mitchkov uh sweepstakes. They're it not going to st- be bad enough for that. No, like especially when you look at Chicago. Well, Chicago's- l- look at how bad they were last year and they picked 10th. Like look at Chicago, look at Arizona. Like the Ducks are going to be better this year than they were last year, just simply due to the fact that they're going to have another year of development from Drysdale, another year of development from uh, from Zegris, another year of development from Terry. Although Terry may just be what he was last year. But you're going to have these guys coming up. McTavish is going to come in. This team is not This team is not in the teardown part. This is in the build part. This is the most difficult part of a rebuild, also, I want to add, where you have to find the pieces that fit with your guys because the Ducks have their core now. They yeah. have their Seagrass. They have their McTavish. They have their Drysdale. They're not going to be bad enough. To be in that bottom portion and so now it's time for them to build and i think pat Verbeek has started to identify some of those players that he can mesh in that are at the edge of their prime leading their prime that can help basically transition to the zegris core
0: yeah yeah that's exactly it because these are all complementary pieces there i mean there could still be a big shoe to drop i don't think i can't really see the ducks getting nazim kadri but who knows maybe they do get a big name but you're right which is that there is this whole perception that oh they're still they're still in this phase of being really bad especially because they traded their pending ufas at the deadline Ooh,
1: forever 1922 puts it in a great great term there's no fat on the team now now it's time to just build muscle
0: yeah i mean they tr- exactly they they traded the pending ufas and they got the pieces for those they the, the years where they were bad has really yielded a result because now Trevor Zegras has been drafted. He's entering his own. Jamie Drysdale has been drafted. He's entering his own. Same thing with Mason McTavish. You're going to get more of those guys coming through the pipeline in the next couple of years. So really, they've already gotten what they were looking for by being bad for a few years, which is top-end young talent. Now it's time to actually build the team around them. I don't think that the Ducks are really going to gun for the playoffs next year. And if they miss them again and they end up picking around where they were picking this year, it's not the end of the world. But I just don't think that there's any scenario where they're going to be. I mean, unless, of course, there's like injuries or whatever, but it's going to be really hard for them to be bad enough to get into that top three, top two draft pick range.
1: Yeah, like it's something where I think they're not in the, the teardown part. This is a situation where you want to see them start making strides. And it's not that they have to make the playoffs. The Pacific, I think, has gotten weaker with Johnny Gaudreau going out of the division. I think Edmonton's going to be worse with Jack Campbell in goal. I think that uh, their defense is also still going to be a tire fire. Like I think Edmonton, Edmonton got worse. LA, I think, is potentially the class of the division now. And Vegas is also on the the decline at this point in time. With well, Vegas just
0: traded Max Pacioretty for future considerations, which yeah, is just flabbergasting to yeah, me. Yeah, so like this is starting to get to the point where the
1: division is starting to get a little wide open, where the Ducks could maybe start making a little bit of a push, and maybe they do get a wild card spot. Maybe they're just out. It's not the end of the world, though. This is even though. I think people
0: see well, this. Well also Calgary and see... just lost Johnny. I don't know if you yeah, already said it. I did they lost Johnny. But, but I think okay. people
1: see this draft and see Bedard at the top of it and see Mitchkov there and they think this is where you tank, but that's just not in reality where the ducks are. Maybe if they this all had been pushed out a year or two and the, the essentially being bad started
0: a year or two later. But you can't necessarily time that. And that's just kind of yeah. where this is at. There's not that many teams though that are going to be that bad next year, or that are trying to be that. Chicago bad Chicago and Arizona. That's it though. I mean, really, outside of that, Montreal maybe, uh, but Ottawa. I, I don't. I don't think Montreal is going to be that bad. Ottawa is not going to be bad. Um, no. No, Buffalo. Philadelphia, maybe Philadelphia will. <laughs> but they're not trying to be though. No, I don't know what they're, the hell going, they're trying to do. But they're going to be bad. I like, could. Philadelphia
1: see, but, is a sneaky pick for Bedard. If you can get there first,
0: oh boy. Oh, boy, what? They have nothing. Like, like what? No, if you can get there first, though. Oh oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Sorry, I thought you meant if he goes to them. I was I was like, what? Yeah, no, if you can no, get no. their pick, yes. I think Buffalo's, I don't know if they're trying to be bad, but their roster looks like just crap. Yeah. Okay, so, so
1: let's get to our Twitch questions. FatDraw asks, question, will the Ducks trade for any bad contracts?
0: I don't know the list. I haven't really thought about. I mean, JVR was JVR was the guy I was thinking about,
1: but it came out today that the, the flyers aren't looking to move him for a first round ra- and give up a first round pick in the process. Cause that is what people were requiring as the sweetener and they weren't willing to do that. So that's been yeah. thrown out the door as, as a possibility. He would have been a guy that would have been interesting outside of that. I don't have anyone off the top of my head, but they I have the cap really, space to do it. I think it depends on how the next day or two goes. Yeah. They have the cap I, I, space. I think it depends on who's left on the market, what they can do, and if they are looking to just add that. Because, I mean, the Ducks cap space has been something that's been rumored to... Essentially, the Ducks are willing to take on a bad deal. Um, Let's see. The Puff
0: asks, Who's the ideal trade target besides Kachuk that would be worth it? Ugh. I don't know. I feel like a lot of them have kind of left the barn. I
1: I think... uh. If Pittsburgh has to move out Petterson or Marino now that they've
0: signed guys, I think one of those two would be
1: an interesting one.
0: Yeah, I mean, Marcus Petterson's on a really kind of team-friendly deal. He's only 20 well, only, he's 26. Uh Marino has 2 years more than Petterson. He's slightly younger. Maybe I would lean Petterson there, but yeah, like that's that's oh. a good shout. How do we miss the easy one? Hueyarvi yeah, I mean, I think I don't want to say Pugliarby is like a bad target, but I just think that I don't want to oversell like what he is either. But yeah, the Ducks need more forwards, and he's a good upside kind of forward play, even though he's, still, yeah. he's already 24.
1: And one thing that was brought up by uh, Appa in our Discord that I asked him to clarify on, he said, uh, what about Martin N- uh, Natchas, who's an RFA right now? I don't think he's going anywhere. It would take an offer sheet, so I don't think that he's going to be an option. Yeah. Um so let's see uh any other trade targets though, that you can think of. I think Travis Sanheim's the guy if Philadelphia is looking to move him, maybe a Travis Conne. They've both kind of been in the rumor mill a little bit.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think what teams are are trying to Jacob move Chikrin. on Jacob Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves? No. <laughs>
1: um Alright, moving on. DarkPurity993 said, haven't seen a lot of commentary about Josh Manson. Do you think the stories that he was willing to come back to Anaheim were legit? And do you think the Ducks should have tried to make a move for him? I think they did. And he just chose Colorado. Well, I, I think that... I think yes. I think the rumors about him wanting to come back were legit. I think he was probably torn between the two sides. And keep in mind, he signed that deal with Colorado before the window opened. So the Ducks could not make a move for him at that point in time. Yeah. So but it came down he it came want- down to him probably deciding where he wanted to go yeah. between the two of them. And Colorado was offered him that before he was available for the Ducks to give him an offer and he chose that one. Yep. And and it's kind of simple. Yeah. Yep. Um The Puff asks who makes the playoffs first, the Ducks, Angels or Lakers? So I'll answer between the Ducks and Angels because I know nothing about where basketball's at. But uh, I'm gonna say the Ducks, with how the Angels are going. Hmm.
0: I just got a curious text. Okay. Not gonna name any names, but to look out for another 31-year-old UFA for the Ducks. Okay. Now, now you're forcing me to to go and. Just I look will at point the out that Nazem Qadri is 31. So the Ducks and Qadri? Just got a text. Not gonna name any names, but keep an eye out for that so all right we'll now i'm just all right well here we go
1: i'm just gonna straight up read all the 31 year olds this is what you're doing <laughs> to me uh per cap friendly here are the 31 year olds michael kempney alex Chason, on kadri andrea oh no
0: agazino sign uh ryan carpenter calvin dahon cody eakin uh what do you what would you think if the ducks got nazim kadri oh he's 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 conflicted jake jake is not the kind of guy to 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 not say what he thinks right away there's some conflict here there is because nazim kadri is very good he's very good i think that the problem is that you're signing him for his production if you were signed, because his on ice impact is really good and i think that that can hold for a few more years but the production will not and that's kind of what you're paying him for yeah and if he's getting seven seven's my concern he, yeah i mean even though the ducks have a crap ton of cap space it just feels if if it was sticky. three to, if it was three to four yeah i mean my guess okay my guess is that pat verbeek has a number that he probably doesn't want to get to term wise right with anyone mm-hmm of this, of this uh, free agent class. And that's why some of these deals are taking longer. There's a longer negotiation. And so, yeah, if you can get Nazem Kadri on 40 years and you just give him a crap ton of money, that's fine. I wonder if there's a reason why he hasn't signed
1: a deal yet. And I wonder if teams just aren't offering him the term that he wants.
0: He's 31. Like, it's yeah. just... <laughs> It's just like, yeah, no would, one's giving you him a seven-year deal. Would you do four times eight? Would he do four? I mean, would he do eight? Would you do four times nine? I'm going to go with yes. I'm going to go with yes.
1: Yeah, I don't... I mean, adding Nazem Qadri to... do the, are, Here's a question for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because this is the... Interesting part of this, right? Which if, is, if you're signing a Nazem Qadri, you have to understand the aging curve of everything.
0: He's not gonna. He's not getting a hundred points, maybe in any no. season of this contract.
1: So you have to realize that you need you need to. Re, you're signing him to get value out of him right away.
0: Yeah, you're and not you can like
1: a, a lot, but a lot of times with these 31 year olds, 30 year olds, things like that that you end up signing. You're able to make the last. You're able
0: to almost stomach the last couple years. Look at like a Ricard Raquel trade. God, a fri- a, fri- deal- a, fr- a Friedman tweet just popped up and my heart just dropped. It's it's just a plot, but I I almost oh. just yelped. Anyway, continue.
1: Um, but if so, with Ricard Raquel for instance, the penguin the Penguins are willing to eat the last couple years of that because they are still trying to get the last legs out of it. So you- you're almost making it a future you problem more or less and well yeah yes and so the thing with the ducks is what does that mean then and where i'm getting out with where i'm getting out with this is this question for you this is all along the way to get to this point if the ducks add an awesome
0: cadre are they a playoff team next season
1: Mm
0: -hmm. well okay let's let's just do the math they're Center line, their 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 center depth right now would be Zegras, Kadri, Strom, Lundestrom, maybe Henrik plays center. McTavish on the wing. That's that's playoff caliber, right? Um, on the wings, Troy Terry is still there. Frank vitrano Max contois could rebound. Henrik is in there. Sam Carrick is a fine depth piece. And then, uh, what if
1: the Ducks go and get a Jacob Chickrin
0: and then if you add a Jacob Chikrin or you just upgrade on the back end and John Gibson has a better season.
1: Calgary takes us, takes a step back.
0: They're going to be fighting for a playoff spot. It with that, with that roster,
1: they're fighting for a middle tier playoff
0: spot, not a wild card spot. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's still hard for me to say that they're like a shoe in for a, a playoff spot. Because if you look at the Pacific, even without Johnny Gaudreau, Calgary, I think is still ahead of them. Uh, Maybe by not not by as much though. Edmonton is still there. L.A. is, is to me the class right now of the division. San Jose cl- appears to be tearing it down, so you can throw them aside. Seattle, they're going to be more fun, but do we really see them as a playoff pushing team next year? I don't no. think so. They don't, they don't have the offense. Vancouver, no. I'm just going to go with no. And then Vegas. I mean, I don't think it was a to- crapshoot. Vegas could be really good next year. They could also be terrible, and there doesn't seem to be any in-between. So it's still a dogfight for them to get in. I don't know if it's... They I, have I a don't good know if chance, I think. They have a much, much better chance with that with that roster. Yes, they have a much better chance. And here's the thing. Like, what, what would you put it as a percentage chance? 70. 70? To get into the playoffs, yeah. 7-0? Mm-hmm. I was going to say like 55%. Wow. Wow, if wow, they, wow.
1: If, if they had enough, let's not even say chicken. Let's just say they get a Marino or a Pedersen, and they add Nazem Kadri.
0: Yeah. Yeah? And
1: like, I think it vastly in, improves their chance to make the playoffs.
0: I don't disagree with you. I just think I'm looking at the field, and I just think there's a lot of teams that they're going to have to compete with.
1: Also, keep in uh, mind, the Central's probably going to be bad next year. So there might be yeah. two off cards.
0: Yeah, Nashville might not be as good. Minnesota, I don't know what's going on there. Dallas, losing Klingberg. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Still, though, I, I just, I don't know. I'm not ready to go 7%. This is now thrown my, us for a complete loop. My 55%, though, is not like this indictment. Like I'm giving no. them a better than 50% well, chance so, of, of so, making it.
1: So it's funny that we never even talked about this, but uh, that we even talked about Kadri because it didn't even seem like a reality for the Dodgers. Terry getting married? Yeah, he got married already.
0: Yeah, last weekend.
1: Yeah, but back to what I was saying um, with Qadri, Um,
0: what's the downside here? Well, the downside is that you don't have as much flexibility when Zgris and your young players are really in their primes. That's the downside, but, 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 but like they would have to, like, that alone is not going to sink them. Can can I
1: also add kind of a a little elephant in the room with a lot of these deals? A lot of times the players aren't healthy enough to play at the end of them.
0: (laughs) Wow. Wow, wishing injury upon Nazem Kadri. No, it's I not.
1: Say. But it's like you look at the way I, I'm just simply saying this, right?
0: I No, I get what you're saying. Like, you look at it's the, not. You look at
1: the style of game that he's played. What's the reality of a 35 year old Nazem Kadri being healthy enough to play an entire season and not needing LTIR?
0: No, yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, I, I no, I, I think that's a fine take. And man, now now the wheels are turning in my head. Same. Same. Interesting. Maybe do we have an emergency pod tomorrow because of a Nazim Kadri signing? Will my internet not be good tomorrow, or will my internet be good enough for us to do it tomorrow? Who knows? I mean I mean we got through. We got through this time.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think there were some more questions, but we got really derailed.
0: We're almost at call- two hours.
1: Yeah, I think it's time to wrap this thing we up. We should probably wrap up. It may take like three hours for me to upload this episode. Held <laughs> up till one thirty last week uploading.
0: Your your upload speed though is going to magically rebound as soon as we're done with this, probably because that that's how it seems to go. I hope. Man, I don't know why I'm just like I'm like afraid to go to well, sleep that's, now. it's like, asking, would Kadri be Kessler two No, different player. Or right, yeah. if we're talking contract status, maybe. We'll think but about you kind of like, you kind of
1: saw TR for the end of it.
0: Well, you also saw it with the Kessler contract, which is like, did it really hamstring the Ducks? They LTIR'd him, and the cap went up, right? Like, it didn't end up being this huge albatross. Um, So, man, are we just talking ourselves into going back on everything we've been saying the last couple of years? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, on that note, I think we should get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening everyone this has been a really fun show and uh there's gonna be it feels like there's gonna be more more of these for sure these kind of breaking news ones so we'll we're not going anywhere the off season is just beginning if you want to help us keep this thing going though and and keep this show alive and well there's a few easy ways for you to do that check out our patreon page patreon.com crash the pond for a dollar a month you get to join our discord server this is the best time to join the Discord server. I have I was in there all, literally all day today reacting to everything as it was happening. Uh, we've got a great thriving community of Ducks fans in there. It, it's the best. It's It really is the best. Uh, for $5 a month, you get access to two bonus episodes a month, uh, which are really just awesome for us to go more in-depth about the team, about players, about league-wide rankings, things of that nature. You can also pledge $15 a month if you really want to add that extra layer of support. Also, you can just also find... a note, we're at uh,
1: 69 viewers right now.
0: Nice. Very nice. I, I'm, I'm so glad that you pointed that out. Really, it really needed that. Um, <laughs> you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you search Crash the Pond. Leave us a rating and a review. We'll read it on the show. Those are awesome. Awesome to hear from you guys. We're also on Spotify. Uh, search us there. You can leave us a rating on Spotify, so make sure to do that if you haven't already. We're also on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond Check out our website, crashthepond.com. Uh, we've got merch. We've got t-shirts, uh, hoodies, coffee mugs, stickers. It's all on there. Go check it out, shop. Jake is on Twitter at rangergames91, and I'm on Twitter at felix underscore Sicard. That is going to do it for us tonight, guys. Thank you, everyone, who will listen to this. Thank you to everyone who joined the stream. Uh, this was really fun, and we might not be done. We'll see what happens. We'll talk to you soon. Bye!